Welcome to the Philosophy Podcast, where host and lacrosse expert Jamie Monroe will do what he does best, talk about lacrosse. Each episode will provide listeners with education, insights, stories, and lessons about the lacrosse world. We will discuss current events, coaching, philosophies, and college lacrosse recruiting. Now let's get started with your host, Jamie Monroe. The Philacrosophy Podcast is brought to you by Oxia Time, a cool watch company focused on university-branded watches. John Canaris is the founder of Oxia Time, and he was the goalie at Penn in the late 80s who led his team to the Final Four. John is actually best known for being the goalie that Gary Gate dunked on in the Air Gate. Oxia Time makes beautiful, Swiss-made, authentic watches whose design and quality match the essence of the universities they represent. I can attest to the quality of these watches. John hooked me up with a sweet Brown University Oxia watch, and I think it's the nicest thing I own. Initially licensed with eight Ivy League schools, Oxia keeps adding new schools each month. One of the coolest things Oxia offers is custom timepieces to commemorate championships or to celebrate storied teams. Check out the UVA Lacrosse Championship watch. It's sick. Princeton did a really nice one last year as well. Oxia even did an LSU football championship watch this year. For any teams interested in creating a custom watch this season, Oxia will upgrade it at no extra cost to a championship watch if your team wins a conference or national championship next year. For players, parents, and coaches interested in custom team watches, check them out at oxiatime.com. That's A-X-I-A time.com. How's it going, everybody? Welcome back to another flying solo edition of the Philosophy Podcast. Today, I'm pretty fired up to talk about two-man game um, and a concept that I call hang up two-man. Um, over the last year, I've really learned a lot about two-man game. And it's not that everything that I've learned is brand new or that everything that I used to believe isn't true. But I did start looking at two-man game in a little bit of a different way. I did a webinar on this, which I really would recommend you check out. Just go to twomangame.com. You can check it out for free. It's really cool. Um, but um, I'm really excited to share this with you guys. Now, first of all, I want to talk about Joe Keegan, PLL stats analyst and writer. He's come up with some really good information and stats on why two-man game is so powerful. And so I'm going to quickly touch on that, and then we're going to get into some of this two-man game detail. So first of all, um, it's a fact that assisted shots have a higher percentage of going in than shots from isolation. And in two-man game, there is a higher percentage of assisted shots than in isolation. So right off the bat, you're going to have higher percentages higher shooting percentages based on that. Secondly, we also know from the stats from the late great Dave Huntley, used to talk about this all the time, but these stats of 15,000 shots, MLL shots from the 2015 and 2016 seasons, where they charted every single shot, they created a quadrant, something like 37 quadrants or something around the two point arc, and they charted which hand the shot was taken with. And what they were able to discover was that in every quadrant, except dead center, 
that when your stick was to the middle, you had a higher percentage chance of scoring, which makes a lot of sense. So why is that important for two-man game? Because two-man game has a higher stick to the middle percentage than in isolation. And it makes sense too, because when you're playing a pair's offense, you'd much rather have two lefties on their side getting shots from their natural side. And then finally, the concept of addition by subtraction is really important. And what this means is when you are dodging one-on-one -on -one and a slide goes, there are two players now engaged with the ball and four players off ball guarding five. When you have a two-man game and a slide has to go, either to slide to the dodge or to rotate to a pick and roll or a throwback, you now have three players guarding four. And that in and of itself is a huge advantage for the offense. So in the summer of 2019, I was watching a ton of box lacrosse. And I, as usual, I'm just marveling at the two-man game. But I started looking at what was actually happening in box lacrosse versus what people taught. What I noticed was the best two-man games in box lacrosse, the Dodgers were not necessarily coming hard off the picks. They weren't going shoulder to shoulder and attacking. And the picks weren't always all about pick angle, like the stuff that we've always heard about. No, in fact, what you saw in box lacrosse was the, the dodger would sort of sit in the pocket of space behind the pick. And oftentimes, these were repicks. And what the Dodger was doing was he was engaging both players. He was keeping his man engaged while he was engaging the potential switch. And it almost was like the defense was bookending a pick. If you can imagine there's a Dodger, there's a pick, and then there's two defenders bookending. They're each guarding a side. And what I started noticing was this gave them the ability to sit there in the pocket and feed. They would oftentimes do the same thing out of repicks. So they might get a first pick and carry it to a new spot. And then on the repick, they would engage those two defenders. And what would end up happening was when the picker would roll to the net, one defender would be responsible for picking up the roll. But when both players are engaged, there was confusion as to who should be picking up the roll man. And when the Dodger would add faking to it, it became even that much more confusing. So sometimes nobody would go with a picker. Sometimes two players would go with the picker. Sometimes one player would go to the picker and it would leave a big hole where the Dodger could attack. Now you do see players come over the top and box the cross to shoot, but that's usually with a seal pick. So you can imagine a pass down, pick down where the picker is actually sealing his own man. That's where you're going to see a lot of players attacking the top and shooting over the top. So the concept of engaging two defenders and slowing down. Now, this is something I, I already did know because I learned it playing basketball back in my days of playing a lot of pickup hoops at Yale. And I learned that if I would, if I would dodge, dribble off the pick and stop in the middle and look back, I could, I could freeze the defense and get a step on the switch or, 
And I kind of thought that this was, you know, a technique that you should teach, which was the look back fake. And I taught that for years. And it is a technique that works. It's great. But I was missing the point. The fundamental is not that fake or how you do it. The fundamental is actually slowing down to engage two defenders. Because I want to make something clear. If you run hard off a pick, there will be a switch. And once the switch happens, there is no more two-man game. If they have a successful switch, it is now back to isolation. But when you have two players on you and two players engaged in this switching situation, there's so many things that you can do, and you really have the defense in a tough spot. So this summer, I, we, had, we played a lot of pickup lacrosse, and I was really thinking a lot about two-man game, and we played these four and four plus a goalie games and filmed it, got to watch it all. It was really cool. And I started to have a better understanding of why re-picks are so important. All right, so I want to go back to that situation where you can imagine a de the defenders are bookending around a pick. If those defenders are, are pretty tight to the pick and, and, and not, not too tight where they're giving up, you know, a top side or an easy underneath angle for the Dodger, but, but tight enough that they can, they can play the picker and tight enough that they can get to the ball carrier, um, they can usually play this decently well. But what, what I've noticed, and I always used to hear this from box coaches, what I've noticed is when there's a gap of space between the picker and the picker's man, and you, you can engage them at that point in time, it's a huge problem. So, I, I, again, every, every box coach, you know, guys like Bob Hamley have said this forever, V-cut your picks, push your man in, try to create separation between your – between you and your man when you're setting a pick. I always heard it, and I didn't really understand it until now, which is that if you can imagine um, you're setting an up pick and your man is trailing the play and all of a sudden the Dodger engages, he's got his own man engaged, but now he engages this switch, but from a man trailing the pick, all of a sudden, that man slows down to make that play, but he's not guarding anybody. He's just in space, which means that slip is going to be wide open underneath the play if it's, say, let's call it a topside dodge on an up pick. So it's kind of hard to picture in your head maybe, so you should really watch the webinars. But just suffice it to say that re-picks will naturally create this separation, just as swing picks will. Why would a repick do that? Because on your first pick, you kind of fake it and roll to the net. You bring your man with you, and then you change direction really quickly and come back for your second pick, and there's your gap. There's the separation. Now, all of a sudden, you've got this bookending situation with the players being really uneven. The on-ball players usually in pretty good position, but now the off-ball man guarding the picker is, is not in position, and there's this uneven gap of space and once you got that guy hung up, he's hung up in space. He's guarding nothing. So swing picks do the same thing. What's a swing pick? A swing pick is when you, you make it look like you're going to pick one side and you jump over to the other side. Let's, so let's imagine that up pick situation. If you were coming on an up pick, making it look like you were going to pick for the underneath dodge, and then you jump over to the top side, you can imagine leaving that defender in space behind you in a bad position where if he's engaged now he's engaged guarding nothing guarding nobody so the seal picks i used to believe that you should always teach seal picks first 
And I still think it's a good idea. I think when you learn to seal your own man, you literally learn a fundamental of I am sealing a person and I'm creating space behind me. Space that somebody can use to cut or dodge into. And I also know that if my man fights through that seal, then that's my cue to slip and I'll get open. And seal picks are used probably the mo most commonly in box across of any other pick. You constantly see it. And the reason why seal picks get used so effectively is because the defense wants to sag in and pack it in. So if they're going to pack it in, it's going to be harder for you to create that separation on your picks. So why not now just pin them in and use that space that they're giving up by sagging it. Whereas if they play a little bit more tightly, you can start to have the space to be able to put them in, in that trail position that I was just talking about. So when we think about getting two players on you and this whole hang up two man concept, well, how does that work when you are, when your defender goes under a pick? Well, kind of the same way in, in men's lacrosse, um, when there's longs and shorts picking, the defense really doesn't want to change their matchups if they don't have to. And what you see a lot of, you know, short stick picks for a long stick and the, uh, the, the attackman or midi dodges hard with speed, shoulder to shoulder, and the defender goes right under the pick and meets you on the other side. Well, if they just meet you on the other side, then you really haven't accomplished very much. So behind the net, it's, it's really about angles and making it very, very difficult for the on-ball defender to go under the pick and still navigate the crease and the goal. You can almost use the goal as another pick. So if you set those picks, that's why razor picks work so well. Uh, picks that I call blue jay picks are kind of like a razor pick, honestly, more at a 45-degree angle of attack. But if you can imagine when the defender goes underneath that pick and the pick is set on the ball side of the net, and the pick gets adjusted a little bit. Now the on-ball defender has to run all the way around it to avoid, to avoid it on one side, but then has to almost S-turn to get back around the net or get hung up. But on the wings, when you're in shooting range, it's a little bit different. And I remember Matt Cavanaugh from Notre Dame was great at this. Ryder Garns, he's great at it. You saw it out of the, out of the PLL. You know, Zed Williams uh, hammered a couple shots on this. So did Justin Gutterding. And the idea here is, is that if the defense wants to go underneath a pick and you're on the wing, then eventually you can set that pick close enough to the net where you just stop and shoot it. And you'll also see, I have some really cool clips of, of um, Kevin Rice doing this back with the Atlanta Blaze days where they would set a repick. So the first pick, the defense went under. The second pick, um, the defense was planning to go under again. So they set the pick, you know, four yards closer to the goal and then Kevin just pulled up and shot it. But in all of these cases, the Dodgers posture and deception is what helps make it happen. So when you want to engage two players, you have to have this posture that looks like you're going to dodge. And so you can make them back off you. So whether they, whether it's hanging up two players in a switch in that bookend situation, you'll see these Canadian players. I remember first seeing this from Austin Stotts back in the 2017 Minto Cup. And, I just became absolutely fascinated with his posture. And it, I call it the double threat posture now. It's a dodging threat. Every box player does it. 
And field players do it too. In fact, everybody reacts to a, to a double threat posture, even your dog. I mean, if you just jump into a, a dodging posture, sort of a bent at the waist athletic posture, your dog will get right into his version of that posture too on four legs. And it, it, it causes responses. And, and the same thing, I'm, I'm thinking about that Justin Gutterding goal in the PLL where he did a hard sort of right to left um, move, left-handed. So I call that a V-cut. And he's selling go, 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 go. He's selling go. And he's making his guy run around the pick, meet him at the other side. And then he pulls up and shoots it. So the other thing is when, when the defense goes under the pick, there's a pocket there. And that pocket of space, just like the pocket that a quarterback sits in, just like the pocket that I referenced when you're setting picks and re-picks and the defense is looking to switch, you can sit in a pocket and you can feed all day. So then I started thinking about when the defense wants to pressure you. And what I noticed in box across and looking at guys like Dane Doby or Sean Evans, that the best pick and roll players and, and, and the, the best situations were actually when the defense would, would try to pressure over a pick and the Dodger would bring his man over the pick. And all of a sudden the Dodger was, it, what the, the Dodger had put the defender in a permanently trailing position as he goes over the pick, as he invites his man over the pick. And I, I specifically remember looking at Dane Doby. He'd be going back and forth. He's not running into switches, but then he would, he would get close enough that he would invite this defender to come play him and try to get a cross check on him. But he was doing it on purpose because he knew that he could invite him over the top of the pick and that, the, and that because Dane had position, he'd be able to bring him in, in a permanently trailing position. Here's the analogy. You're driving, and you're trying to merge in, and there's somebody that's trying to get – somebody on your right is, is trying to get in, and you know that as soon as you gain position on them, there's nothing that they're going to be able to do except wait for you to go and trail you all the way. And that, that's exactly what happens in two-man game. Once you have the position in your car and that person's on your right, they, they can crash into you, but they, obviously that would not be good. But, but they're never going to get the position. You've got the position on them. They're in a permanently trailing position, and that's exactly what happens on these two-man games when you invite somebody over the top. Now, in field, there's – I always reference um, – Jerry Byrne, head coach at Harvard, he plays um, his defense. He instructs the defenders on ball to play the ball like there's no pick there at all. Play the ball like there's no pick. You know, occasionally you'll see a, a Harvard or, you know, a Matt Landis or whatever at Notre Dame, and they'll go underneath the pick. Um, and they just kind of do that, but, but, but probably because they're way out in space. But generally speaking, Jerry wants ball pressure, and there's a lot of people that play picks this way. Because if you start turning your head a lot, on these picks, you know, I didn't mention this but before, but, but if someone's turning their head to find a pick, you can obviously just cut the other way and refuse picks. Um, so that, that's, that's one of the big dangers for going underneath picks beyond the fact that you can just shoot. Um, so if we're going to keep ball pressure on, we're going to keep looking at our man. And, you know, the premise of this defense is, hey, if we run into the pick, no problem, we will just switch. And you can run into a pick when you're not looking at it, you can't blow up a pick if, if the ref sees that you're blowing it up. But if you're just not looking and you're just trying to 
play your man and there's a pick there and you run right into it, it's not a problem. And the good thing about running into a pick is that you've just created a switch. And even though the matchup may not be what you want um, defensively, it's, but it, you know, because maybe their best player has a short stick on now, but, but at least it's, a, it's an isolation and we can deal with it. The other thing about, about running into picks is that if you run right into a pick, you know, it's, you're probably not going to get a pick and roll because the picker just got run into. And again, when you think about two-man game, what whole thing we're trying to do here is, is try to get a third person to have to come in and play it. And so just because you get a switch doesn't mean that you won the pick and roll. And I think this is the big, one of the big paradigm shifts. It's not just about matchup change because all that does is it's fine. It, it's not bad, but, but it, all it's doing is putting you back in an isolation situation. Whereas what you could do is play out of your two man game and bring a third player in. Okay. So back to the technique of pressuring as if there was no pick there. What I started realizing from watching box lacrosse and then in, in watching college lacrosse film was that off the best scenarios that really would give Notre Dame a hard time was when the Dodgers would would bring invite their man over the pick giving them daylight where they think they're going to be able to get over this pick but similar to the situation where the guy merging in just doesn't have position and can't get there that's the same thing that happens on this pick and then all of a sudden the defender on ball is is in a permanently trailing position but here's what's also really cool about this is that once the defender commits to going over the top and this is the same in the box lacrosse dane doby situation once they commit to going over the top they can't switch anymore they are now in a permanently trailing position and their momentum is taking them and they're they're all in on playing defense on the ball even though they're never going to get there so that simply means now that that either the, the Dodger is going to either get to the goal, there's going to be a slide, or the picker's man is going to have to essentially double because there will not be a switch anymore. And this is what happens when you invite people over the top. And back to the Dane Doby situation, when I was referencing why I think this is the ultimate situation in two-man game is because, because it's happening a little wider, and so the, the ball carrier has more time to make a decision. If you can bring somebody over the top wider than where they might pick you up really tight and you've got more time to go in on essentially a two-on-one, what do I mean on a two-on-one? The two-on-one is the, the picker and the dodger against the picker's man. That's the two-on-one because the on-ball defender is in a permanently trailing position that they will never recover from. So now when you start thinking about all of this stuff in all together, Picking does, can involve pick angles. Why? Because the, when you set a pick angle, you know, theoretically you want to set it conducive to the angle of the dodge and that makes perfect sense. But when you're thinking about all of these box lacrosse scenarios and these field lacrosse scenarios, it wasn't the pick angle and the dodging angle that made it happen. It was, it was hanging up two players if they were switching. It was a, a stationary pick that was maybe resetting closer to the net so that the, Dodger can shoot when the defender goes underneath or it was a stationary pick set at whatever angle when a when the Dodger is 
inviting his man over the top, giving him a little bit of daylight to get through, and then all of a sudden having that position. So the paradigm shift for me was, hey, it's all about figuring out a way to get two players on you, which means you have to slow down. What I used to think was, well, you should probably start off really sticking a pick to seeing what they do and dodge hard off of it. And then, you know, if they start switching it, then let's slip it. And it seemed like it was a little bit of a rolling of the dice situation to see what was going to work. Of course, a seal put could, can always work. And that was, that was a little bit more of a read. Like, hey, if they're sagging off you or if you can, if you can give an angle to the dodger to the middle and seal your man so they can't switch, it's there. But now what I realize is that that seal pick consistent read of, of it being, you can see it and you can do it. That's actually there with your, with the other picking situations too, which what I mean by that is it's not just, Hey, let's slip this one and stick that one. It's how is the defense playing? And you can see it. And, and with repicks, it's, it's, it's really helpful. So a lot of times you just know that in field across, they, they don't want to switch. And you are going to be able to figure out if they're going under or over. If they're going under, great. Then we're going to set that pick closer to the net. We're going to set it twice if we have to, and we'll shoot it. If they're going over the pick, we're going to set that pick, and we're going to give our dodger. We're going to set it, you know, you, got to, you, you don't want to set it too close to them when they, when they want to go over a pick. You want to set it probably four, four or five yards um, and give that dodger the angle to the net and see if he can bring his man, see if he can bring his man to that space so he can then you maybe use a hesitation to get underneath then if it's going to be a switching situation the repick is super helpful and now all of a sudden you can hang two players up now you may say well when is there really going to be a switching situation in field across they don't want to switch and and of course if there's a pull on the ball then you can apply the ball pressure and you probably won't have to switch and i agree with that which is why i really think that a huge opportunity in, in field across is going to be um, longs picking for shorts and doing repicks. I think it's going to be huge because you're going to get the gap of space definitely between the picker and the picker's man. And the pole doesn't want to switch, but he's going to be in position to switch. And then if you can, you're, you can definitely operate and control your man with a shorty on you and your double threat posture, you can dig them in. And if they overplay you, great. You can bring them right over the top, and then you're going to have the two-on-one. You will have the picker wide open, or you're going to bring a third player to the play. No question. And they can't keep going under picks on the wings anyways, even with a short, because we know that if they keep going under, we're going to shoot it. So in the end, the longs picking the shorts, which was kind of like a no-no, like don't bring, don't bring you know, the, a defender to the ball. They might double you type of, type of mentality. Um, I, I think is, I get it, it could happen, but if you've got your man under control with your posture and you know that you can beat him if he overplays you at all, he won't, he will not overplay you and you will have the control that you want to have. And then you can engage two players. Once you have your defender engaged and you got the picker's man engaged, now the picker can exit and you're going to have angles and you're going to have looks and you're going to have to, you're going to attract three people to, to the side. So this is hang up two man. Um, it is a concept of trying to get two players on you. And it's really interesting. Watch the webinar. Go to, go to um, twomangame.com, uh, the number two, twomangame.com, and you'll be able to check it out. 
Um, it's really interesting stuff. Next, I'm going to do a solo podcast on how this works off ball and how to put the on ball in off ball two man game concepts together. That was kind of my, you know, last summer I kind of discovered all this stuff on the, on the on ball hang up two man. And this summer I've really discovered a lot with the off ball. I'm really excited to share it with you. Um, and um, hope you enjoy this and uh, we'll do it next time. See ya. How's it going, everybody? Jamie here. Thanks for listening. If you've been enjoying the content in my Philacrosophy podcast, my Inside the Eight podcasts, or my a Lacrosse Weekend blogs, I would encourage you to check out the store at jamefreesports.com. I've created awesome content for coaches, players, and parents in both men's and women's lacrosse. For coaches, the coaches training program. It's, it's a combination of cutting edge and practical. We have division one men's and women's coaches all the way down to high school, JV, and youth. For players, I've created JM3 player academies, which are designed to teach every variation of every skill for boys and girls cross. And for parents, I've created JM3 recruiting portal, where I've taken all of the content from my blogs, my podcasts, from webinars and other interviews, and pooled all of this information in one place where parents can get access to incredible content and insights from the very coaches that you're hoping to play for.